0: are glad you could join us today for the Concepts of Faith broadcast. This program is dedicated to teach you how to put the Word of God to work so that it will make a positive difference in the everyday circumstances of your life. And now, here's Charles Caps. Now, in the last session, we talked considerably at length about the sowing of the incorruptible seed, the Word of God, about establishing some things. And We're talking about the life and power of words. Now, we're going to take a little different direction. Actually, I didn't intend to go as far as I went with that other. We kind of got on a side thought, and we got on it and just couldn't get off of it. So we're going to leave that area of it for right now and go into a little different phase of the Word and the life that's in that Word. And I want us to go to John, the first chapter, the Gospel of John. And let's begin with verse 1. Let's read several verses here. It says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, let's just stop right here on this one verse and take a look at something. In the beginning was the Word. The Word always existed. And it says, The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if you're not careful, you'll just let that slip by you. That is powerful. That's saying something that we need to take hold of. We need to give some thought to it. I've heard people, because of criticism of the faith message and the word message, I've heard people say, well, now you people are just trying to make the word God. (laughs) No, I'm not trying to do that. (laughs) It's already that way. It was that way in the beginning. So don't blame that on me. I mean, I would if I could, but I couldn't. It's already done. God did that. I didn't do it. Now, see what he said? In the beginning was the Word, and it was with God. The Word was with God. It was God. Now, to tell you the truth, the Word is still God over every situation today. Every circumstance you face in life, the Word of God is still the supreme authority, and it is governor, ruler over that situation. Now, let's restate that and add a little qualification to that. It is capable. God's Word concerning any situation or circumstance you face in life is capable of being God over that situation if you release it in that area. But you see, it has to be released. It's not going to prove out that everything that the Word has promised us here is going to happen just because it's in the Bible. It never has happened that way. See, it has to be spoken. It has to be proclaimed. It says God told Joshua in Joshua 1, eight. He said, don't let the word of God depart out of your mouth. Or the book of the law, which was the word of God that they had in that day. He said, don't let it depart out of your mouth. Now that means to keep it in there. Keep saying what God said about it. So, It's not a matter of whether or not the Word is capable. It's the incorruptible seed and the promises of God, the Bible says, the Apostle Paul stated himself that God's already said yes to every promise. All the promises of God are yes and amen. God's already said yes and so be it to every promise in the New Testament. Now there's a promise to cover your problem. There's a promise to cover the mountain in your life, to remove it. But it won't be removed just because there's a promise in the Bible to do that. It's a matter of it being activated by your faith in the Word of God. It takes faith to act on God's Word. If you didn't believe some individual's words, you wouldn't act on it. Someone came running in the building and said, this on fire. Well, would you just sit around and say, "Oh, I don't believe that. Some of you probably would if you didn't smell smoke or didn't see fire. You say, I don't believe that. You can't believe what that guy tells you. But now if you had faith in what he said, you'd get up and move, wouldn't you? So see, it's faith that activates the power of God, the life that is in God's word is capable of causing the manifestation of exactly what he has promised. Now let me just give you for an instance here. Mark eleven twenty three says, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Now see, that word is alive. It's a living substance. That word is a living promise. It's alive with the faith of God. But now that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll be alive in your life. Because there's a lot of people, there are many people today, some of them even call themselves Christian, that don't really believe in prayer. They don't believe that God answers prayer. Well, I see it didn't make any less life in the promise of God. But because they didn't believe, you see, it didn't work for them. And it's ineffective. It is dormant. It's passive. It won't work anything in their life because they won't pray. I well, no need of me praying. God never hears my prayer, you know. Well, the Bible said, see, God said, and he released life in that promise. Now, that's a living promise. It's there. But it's dormant in the pages of the book. But you see, when you believe whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, pray the desire, don't pray the problem. That's where most people get in trouble. They pray the problems to the desire. They miss God a thousand miles. It's totally unscriptural to pray the problem. You see, when you pray the problem, you're feeding life to the problem. Your faith in the problem is feeding that thing. It feeds on itself. Fear feeds on itself. Now, you need to see that while we're talking about that. Faith and fear are two opposite forces. They're diametrically opposed to each other. They're exact opposite. One pushes against the other. Now, when faith comes, fear has to leave. But you see, you can lose faith and drop off over into fear and allow fear to come. Now, this was done in Peter's life. You remember when he got out of the boat? He saw Jesus walking on the waves. He said, Lord, if it be thou bid me to come. Now, see, Jesus released life forces in that word, come. He didn't speak the one word, come. There was enough power in that one word, enough life in it, that if Peter believed it and activated him, he could walk on the water, and he did for a ways. But it says, fearing, seeing the waves boisterous and the winds so strong, fearing, he began to sink. See, fear came. Now, he had to have faith to get out of the boat. There's no doubt about it. And the Bible says, fearing, he began to sink. So what we realize from that passage of Scripture is that faith doesn't leave all it wants. You don't just have great faith now and in a little while and the next instant just your faith completely gone because if you had, Peter would have sunk instantly. But the Bible says, fearing he began to sink. Now if you've ever seen anyone step off in a swimming pool or in a river or out of a boat, you didn't say, wow, look at them, they're beginning to sink. They're up to their ankles now. Now they're up to their knees. Well, now they're up to their waist. Well, you know, they're all the way up to their shoulders now. (laughs) Before you could get the first word out of your mouth, they're gone, man. Choom! that's all it is. Just a big splash. Well, this proves to you that faith left by degrees. And what caused it to leave was the fear that came into Peter. Fearing, he began to sink. What happened to his faith when fear came? Faith won't abide with fear, and fear won't abide with faith. They're two opposing forces. It's like light and darkness. Now, you turn the lights on, where did the darkness go? You ever thought about that? Now, if you turn the lights off, the darkness is there, already there instantly, isn't it? So if you faded the light out, then darkness would replace it, wouldn't it? Now, that's what happened to Peter. When his faith faded, the fear replaced it. And that's what's happened to a lot of you. You allow fear to come. There's, I believe it's over 80 places in the Bible where God admonishes us to fear not. Fear not. Fear is a destructive force. The Word of God brings light and life. It's alive. It's a living substance. It's productive. And it was with God in the beginning, and the Bible says it was God. Now, you know, Jesus was called the Word of God. He was called the Word of God. There's two words in the New Testament that's translated word, Greek words, translated word, and I'm sure you realize that and know that it's Logos and Rhema. Now, Logos is the whole of God's Word or the complete Word of God. And when it speaks of Jesus being the Word of God, it's Logos. He was the total of God's Word. He was the total expression of God himself. Now, words are expressions of thoughts. And Jesus was the total expression of God himself. Thus the word translated out of the Greek into the New Testament here is logos, for it was the whole completeness of God. Then the word rhema is the word for the spoken word or a part of the word of God. See, I speak the word or promise over a situation in my life. I'm speaking rhema, not Logos, not the whole Bible. Now, I don't speak the whole Bible over my problem or situation. You go to the Word and you find the portion of the Word that is alive and living to destroy the problem area, the situation in your life that will uproot the mountain of the fig, uh, not the fig tree, the sycamine tree in your life, or kill the fig tree that's nonproductive in your life and you speak that word against it. That's Rama. That's taking a part of logos and speaking it. Now, the word of God was to enlighten man in his spirit, and it was to give him life. Now, we need to understand that the life of God comes from the word of God. It is God's power. It is God's anointing upon that word that brings forth that life. God bless you. I do appreciate you joining us for the Concepts of Faith broadcast. Now, this is the last day for CD offer number 7211. It's entitled, How to Keep Yourself from the Wicked One. Two CDs for $15 plus $4 postage and handling, a total of $19. No, it doesn't say how to get God to keep the devil off of you. It says how to keep yourself from the wicked one. Well, no, it's not that we're going to do it by ourselves, but we take the Word of God and speak the Word of God, and we overcome the wicked one. Take, for instance, what did Jesus do in the mount of temptation? He didn't pray to God to get the devil off of him. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written, the Word of God that was in him, radiated from him and he began to quote God's word and the devil leaveth him for a more opportune time and he never did find it he settled those temptations forever when he said it is written and he began to say man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of God I tell you I get excited every time I talk about it but John said in the fifth chapter first John says we know that Whosoever is born of God sinneth not, does not practice sin, but he is begotten of God, keepeth himself, and the wicked one toucheth him not. Well, we know that Jesus told the disciples, He said, I'm anointing you, and you go forth, you heal the sick, cast out demons, and do this in my name. Cast out demons, speak with new tongues, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Mary said, Whatsoever he saith to you, do it. And I'll tell you, if you do what Jesus said to do, you'll keep yourself from the wicked one because you're doing the word of God and God is all behind it. Have a toll-free order line, 1-877-396-9400. Two CDs for $15 plus $4 postage and handling, a total of $19. Until Monday, this is Charles Caps reminding you the enemy is defeated, God is exalted, and yes, Jesus Through the website, you can listen to this radio program again and subscribe to our podcast. This broadcast is sponsored by Charles Capps Ministries and our listeners in this area.